0: This podcast is sponsored by The Copywriter Underground.
1: It's our new membership designed for you to help you attract more clients and hit 10K a month consistently.
0: For more information or to sign up, go to the copywriterunderground.com.
1: What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work. That's what Rob and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast.
0: You're invited to join the club for episode 128 as we chat with copywriter Kelly Chevalier about how she became a copywriter, the importance of leadership and how it applies to copywriting, body language and making a great first impression, and what it takes to assassinate bad copy.
1: Welcome, Kelly. Hey, Kelly. Hey, what's up? Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for jumping on the show. So we're excited to hear more about you, especially since you'll be one of our speakers at the TCC in real life event in March in Brooklyn. So this will be a little like reveal before you actually present in March. Yes.
2: And I'll try not to give away too much.
1: (laughs) Right. Hold back. Hold back, please. Um, Can we start with your story? How did you get into copywriting?
2: Yeah. Um, Actually, I got into copywriting before I knew I was there. Uh, it's really, really interesting because um, I'm a retired Army major and uh, I was a public affairs officer while I was in. And I was writing, I guess, what's, guess what we call now, like a sales page selling the Army's toys to a little known country in Southwest Asia. So when I talk about the Army's toys, I mean like, you know, guns, boats, uh, fighter jets, I mean, like, like big weaponry, right? So um, I didn't know that there was a word for it, though. I didn't know that copywriting was the word for it. But yeah, I mean, that's the kind of stuff I was basically selling to Iraqis back in 2009, 2010. That's what got me started.
0: So that's a good place to start. So talk a little bit about you know, what you did in the army, because I have a feeling that what you learned there, what you did there actually impacts what you do today. So you were, you weren't just like, you know, a a private or a grunt soldier, like you were a pretty big deal.
2: (laughs) Uh, Okay. I don't, I don't know. Maybe in some circles people would say I was a big deal, but trust me, I never felt like a big deal. Um, I worked directly for three-star and four-star generals. So I never had an opportunity to feel like a big deal, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I mean, 20 years in the military as a public affairs officer, um, I got to learn a lot about how to write under extreme pressure. Um, and, you know, we really developed a no fail attitude that I've carried through my business today. So, um, I mean, the whole time I spent, you know, writing for newspapers, for army newspapers, writing sales copy, like I just explained. Um, also, media relations. Just uh, any, I felt like, you know, any, anytime somebody needed the best words to say, that's when I showed up. When they wanted to say, okay, well, what do I say when in this situation? Then that's when I showed up.
1: Did you have any techniques or processes that you used when you were writing sales copy? At that stage, like, what did your process look like when you sat down under extreme pressure to write?
2: You know, it's funny because um, I was forced into developing a process. And in 2009, on my third day into Iraq, was known as Bloody Wednesday. It was at the time the deadliest day that Iraq had seen. And so I'm in my little my little office, which is just a, a temporary building in, in um, Baghdad. And I'm in there and I've got, I don't know, like three or four other uh, people in there. Two of them were civilians. And then, uh, you know, I sit down, you know, just kind of getting a cup of coffee together and kind of organizing my desk and getting just sort of settled in. It's just my third day there. And then bombs start going off. Lots of bombs, big bombs that sound really, really close to where I'm sitting. And I like duck under my desk and I'm like, I'm shaking. And I look, I look up, I'm like under my desk, and I look up, and everyone else in my office is still working. Like they're not, they're not even phased by it. They literally like I watched I watched one guy, civilian guy, he turned around, he grabbed his um his Cavalier, which is just the, you know, the, the helmet that you wear, he just, he just grabbed it off the shelf behind him. He put it on his head and he just kept wiping. And, and I'm like, under the doubt, like reaching up, grabbing the phone. I'm getting ready to call my mom and like, tell her I love her. This is the end of me, you know, and everybody else is just tick, tick, tapping away, just knocking it out. Like, what the crap? So what I realized in that moment was they had already developed their own format for writing under pressure. And they had already um, committed in their heads that the mission will never fail. Like they will write up until the end. Like they will get the story out as long as they possibly can write. And there's a pen and there's, as long as they're able to, they will write the story and get it out. And, and that was a wake up call for me. Um, And so I, yeah, I developed my own method, which, I lovingly refer to as the bomb method. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but so I lovingly refer it to as the bomb method, which I'll I'll share with you if you like. Is that okay?
0: Yeah, I think we definitely want to hear about the bomb method.
2: (laughs) All right, cool. So the B, um, the the first part is, you know, as military copywriters, um, and I think I can say this for most professionals, we never just sit down and look at a blank screen, like that's, uh, it just messes with your head to have to start from scratch every single time. So, uh, the B it's just develop your very best templates that will get you started. Like, so you never have to sit down and look at a blank screen and don't try to do this when you're under pressure, you know, you create your templates and your frameworks and all this kind of stuff. Like, like now, if you're not, you know, busy with clients because it's the holidays, um, now would be a great time to organize your thoughts and your processes and consolidate them into nice, neat little templates so that you never have to look at a blank screen. So that's the B is to build your best templates first. And then the O is to have oversight. So one of the reasons why those, those guys that were in that office with with me were still typing away is because they had already committed to someone else that the story was going to get done. So once you do that, um, you have oversight. And in our case, it was a four-star general at the time. And there's no way, there's nobody in the world who wants a four-star general breathing down their neck and going, and, and, and you have to explain to him or her why you didn't get the story done, right? Because they're in the same, you know, crazy, chaotic situation that you're in. There's literally no excuse, excuse that's going to work. So you you know, when I, when I carried that over into my life as a copywriter, as a civilian, I thought about that, like that pressure, that pressure of having someone seeing you, it wasn't there in the beginning, but I created it. So what I do now is when I get ready to start working on a project for a client, I send, I send them an email and the email is very simple. It's just, Hey, um, I am getting ready to start on your project. It I'm super like excited to do it. I don't see any problems right now. Um, If I do run into any roadblocks along the way, is it okay to reach out to you through email? And so what that does is it commits me to the project right away. And it gives my client like some oversight. They know that I've started. So in my brain, I can't sit back and like, you know, go binge watch, you know, the latest, uh, you know, Ozark episodes or Orange is the New Black or whatever. Like I have to get going because I know that there's someone out there who's expecting it and they know that I've already started. And so the M is for mission success attitude. And that's just, you cannot fail. The mission has to succeed no matter what. So no matter what happens, another bomb goes off or, um, you know, your kids are crying or whatever. You've, you've got to understand that the mission cannot fail under any circumstance and that'll help keep you going. And then finally I gamified it, which was beat your best time. That's the last B is beat your best time. So I look at completing my work as a way of, you know, kind of like a little game, like, all right, I knocked this out the last time I was able to do it in three hours. Let's see if I can do it in two hours and 50 minutes and still make it good, right? You don't want to get so fast that it's, you know, you lack credibility in your writing, but um, but I try to see if I can do it a little bit faster. So I'm improving my skills each time. So now when I sit down to write, I know that I'm getting better and better and better, which is one reason why I can do it faster and faster. And why other things, when they come in the, you know, in the picture that I don't expect, they don't really phase me that much because I know that I'm doing a great job, at you know, the way I'm doing it because I've done it so many times before. And that's my method. That's the bomb method.
0: So I like it. So build your templates, oversight. Mission success and beat your time.
2: Yep, beat your best okay. time. That's it.
0: So I see how that works. Like uh, you know, writing under pressure for you know the army or something like that. How do you use that in your business today?
2: It's the same way. So um, I've built templates. So for instance, when I'm writing, writing a sales page, I I use the sitcom principles. Um, so I, ba- I basically start off with the principles of that sitcoms use to basically get people to watch and stay watching for season after season after season. And when I discovered this, uh, I was just kind of looking for like how to make my writing more interesting, more entertaining. But when I discovered the principles, I overlaid them onto the best converting sales pages that were out there. And I said, oh my God, like it's the sitcom principles. And then I looked at, Kickstarter campaigns, and I did the same thing. I overlaid the sitcom principles to Kickstarter campaigns that were making at least a million dollars in under a year. The principles still apply. So it's like, oh my God, this is this is it. So I just kind of laid out those sitcom principles. And now when I sit down to write a sales page, I just whip out that template and I can break down the sections of a sales page so quickly because I already know the principles that I'm working with. And I can make it entertaining and I can convert. It's already in there. All the little, you know, ingredients are already in the template. So I'm never having to start from scratch. So that's just one of the ways.
1: Can you talk us through the sitcom principles so um, we can use those too?
2: So it starts with, um, there's five parts of it. And it starts with um, getting their attention. Like that's super easy, right? Getting the attention, which most people think, okay, Writing a headline, getting your attention, it's just maybe just writing something that speaks to the pain and then having a little solution. That's kind of how copywriters typically do it. But as we all know, the more people see that over and over again, the less it works and the less it converts. So with the sitcom principle, you start in the middle of the conflict. So every sitcom starts off, whether you realize it or not, after I say this, you'll never be able to unsee it. You'll see it every time. Um, it starts off in the middle of some sort of conflict. That's how your headline should start off with like, um, I just wrote one for a client who's like, does legal work for people who, um, who want to, who may have seen somebody using their stuff online and they didn't have permission to. And so like my headline read something like, you know, you've been scrolling through YouTube and all of a sudden you see somebody using your stuff without permission. What do you do? So that, that sort of that beginning puts someone right in the middle of their conflict, in the chaos, in the thing that they're really struggling with. And so you you sort of start them off in the story where things are chaotic. And then the second step would be to um, open the loop, which is, We've heard this before in copywriting, like this is the unsolvable problem. This is the big question that they've they've had on their head and on their minds for so long, but they haven't been able to answer. So you're going to say that question out loud um, and get them really scratching their heads about it. Like maybe they've been thinking about this whole thing all wrong. Maybe their idea of putting intellectual property on the on the Internet Um, And not protecting it. And it's okay. Like maybe that is all wrong. So you just kind of open the loop for them, but you don't answer that question. Um, And the next step is to pump the brakes. So in sitcoms, when you go watch one, you'll notice there's like four obstacles that the main character has to overcome before the show ends. Like and those obstacles tend to make the problem that started the whole show even worse. It just gets worse and worse and worse. And there's always four. I have no idea why there's four. But we take that same principle and put that in a sales page. And so you're sort of twisting the knife. We've heard this before in copywriting. Four times. And you're using obstacles based on their internal, their external, and their philosophical um, challenges. So make sure that you're doing you know, all three of those at least four times. Not each of them four times, but you want to have four obstacles You can use one of those twice. So that kind of slows things down a little bit. And then you want to reveal their true character. So you'll see on a lot of sales pages where people will say, this is for you if it's not for you if. Well, we've seen that like a million times. And it's, sorry to say, it's not working as well as it used to. But in comedy, the way they reveal the true character is it's always that, that little character flaw that makes the character endearing, the thing that we we come back for all the time, the thing that the character him or herself won't admit to herself, but we as the audience know it's coming. And so this is what we want to do on our sales page. We want to call out loud that character flaw, that that thing that's been holding them back their whole life that they never admitted. So, I mean, it's always something from their childhood, you know, it's like, um, you feel abandoned and that's why you don't, you know, you're, you're reluctant to buy right now. I'm just sort of paraphrasing, but that's what that section is all about. It's just calling out that character flaw that, you know, your, um, your idol client has been struggling with forever. And it's the thing that always shows up right before you're about to present your offer, which is the next step. And the final step, which is, um, point of no return. So in a comedy, you'll see a section where, in the in the show, where they have to decide, like, are they going to admit they were wrong and, con- you know, or are they going to continue down this path of destruction and, like, ruin the whole show for everybody? Well, they always make the right choice and admit they were wrong or return the thing that was stolen, um, you know, or sit down with the kid and you know, tell the truth or whatever it is. And what that does is reset the balance in the universe. And we can now reset for the next episode. So in your sales page, it's the same way. You want to give them a point of no return. It's like you can either go this route, admit, admit to yourself that this is something you need, and we can reset the balance. We can give you a whole clean sheet. Or you can go back to living the life that you were living and struggling and trying to do it by yourself and never admitting to yourself that this was the problem at hand. And then you present your offer. So that's the sitcom principles laid on a sales page and it actually works for everything, whether it's a Facebook ad, sales page, landing page, website, Um, you can just expand or contract this concept to fit whatever it is that you're writing.
1: I, I love this this sitcom uh, framework that you've created for so many reasons, um, not just because it helps you with a sales page, but for you as a copywriter, marketer, you know, someone who wants to stand out and attract clients. How can you just talk a little bit about the power of creating frameworks? Because you've already talked about a couple, right the the bomb one and like this one. Um, it must come naturally to you or maybe not, but like, why does this work? Why do these frameworks um, make sense for us to create? And what's the impact you've experienced from creating those? Does it attract more clients or just um, help people really understand what you do differently?
2: I would say all the above, but I I think where it really helps is naturally I am incredibly lazy. Um, (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to get out of bed. I seriously, like if I could eat chocolate cake and, you know, just write on the palm of my head hand and like take a picture and send it to my clients. Like, that's what I do. I would do it the laziest way possible. And so I'm always looking for a way to procrastinate just a little bit longer. (laughs) Like, I totally don't believe in fighting the procrastination. Um, So what frameworks do is like it helps me like bring all the ideas in my head into focus so I've got all these things. I've done all this research and there's a lot there. And um, instead of using note cards or some new tech or whatever, I use a framework. So I consolidate all those ideas. I you know lay them out um, underneath whatever the, the pillar is in the framework. And you know, I'm pretty much done. So it just saves me a lot of time and it guarantees consistency in my writing. I know that. If there is a problem with the copy, I can always go back to the framework and go, oh, yeah, you know what? This this line of text right here didn't quite match the way it was supposed to in the framework. I can quickly find the leaks in my copy without having to tweak the whole thing or write like 2,000 headlines. I can just ask myself the one question, is this the actual Conflict is this the the chaos that my buyer is experiencing, and if it is, it's good, and I move on to the next section, and that's what it does for me.
0: So Kelly, I want to go back and ask a little bit more about uh, your army experience before we get too far away from that. Um, you know, I, I said you were a big deal, uh, which. You uh, you were a major, so you know my hours of watching Mash tell me that that's certainly better than Captain and Corporal and all of the other things. But you, so you obviously had some leadership opportunities, and this is something that you talk about today and teach. And I'm wondering how important leadership is in copywriting, and does you know are are there things that you take from a leadership experience that are directly applicable to working with a client and working through you know these frameworks that you're talking about.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you one thing that, you know, being in the army for so long taught me about leadership was to take responsibility for my actions, but then to also take responsibility for the actions that I cause others to take. So think about in copywriting. Um, Often I see, you know, that line of text that's like, you know, 30 days money back guarantee. And I always cringe when I see those kinds of things because I'm going, well, if your product is good and you really believe in it and you know, it works, why do you need a guarantee? And I know people will argue with me all day long about this. I know, I know I've read all the, you know, how to win friends books and influence books and all of that. But what I'm saying is like, as a leader and a copywriter is a leader, I believe in the community, um, You've got to take responsibility for the thing that you're selling, the thing that you're writing about. And I think part of that is believing that the product you're selling is so good and so amazing and that it's actually helping people solve a problem in their life that's going to make their lives better. That when you write your copy, you you almost don't need a guarantee. You've written it in a way where you are so credible and so believable that Anyone who has an ounce of sense will go, yes, that's for me. I need that. And that's the action that they took. And as a copywriter, you're responsible for that action. And I see a lot of carelessness, um, especially online with the way people sort of manipulate insecurities in the marketplace. They're selling things that, uh, you know, doing more harm than good, or they're not telling the whole story. I I think that is a lack of leadership responsibility in copywriting and in marketing.
1: Hey, we're just jumping into the show today to tell you a little bit more about the copywriter underground. Rob, what do you like best about this membership?
0: So this membership community is full of copywriters that are investing in their businesses and taking what they do seriously. Everything is focused around three ideas. Copywriting and getting better at the craft that we all do, marketing and getting in front of the right customers so that you can charge more and earn more, and also mindset so that you can get out of your head and focus on the things that will help you be successful at what we do. There's a private Facebook group for the members of the community, and we also send out a monthly newsletter that's full of advice, again, on those three areas, copywriting, marketing, and mindset, things that you can mark up and you know tear out, put them in your files, save them for whatever, and it's not going to get lost in your email inbox. Carol, what do you like about the Copywriter Underground?
1: So I, I love the monthly hot seat calls where our members have a chance to sit in the hot seat and ask a big question or get ideas or talk through a challenge in their business because we all learn from those, those situations. And then I also feel like the templates we include in the membership are valuable because who wants to reinvent the wheel? And Rob and I end up sharing a lot of the templates and resources we use in our own businesses. So I would definitely want to grab those.
0: So if you are interested in joining a community of copywriters that are investing in their business and in themselves and trying to do more, get more clients, earn more money consistently, go to thecopywriterunderground.com to learn more. Now back to the program.
1: All right, Kelly. So... I feel like we glossed over part of your story, you know, where you really jumped into your business and um, started to look for clients. I'd like to hear more about the early days of your copywriting business and how, how you attracted those initial clients and how you gained traction and what that looked like.
2: Oh, my God. When I, <laughs> when I first started writing copy for, as a business, um, I went to this conference. It's like a networking conference in Dallas. And all I did was tell people I was the paid assassin. <laughs> so I would meet people and they'd say, Hey, you know, what did you do? What do you do? And I'd say, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm the paid assassin. I <laughs> and They'd be like, what? I'm like, yeah, well I get paid to, to kill boring copy. And then they'd go, Oh, Oh, okay. All right. Tell me more. And so I'd tell them more and then I would offer to write a Facebook ad for them for I was like, sure, I'll write your Facebook ad. I'll even do the graphics for you. Um, like I'll set it up for you. Like I did the whole thing for 20 bucks just to get my name out there. And um and then I would run like a special. I was like, this is a special, like just for this conference. And so um I did that, but what happened was I didn't make obviously I wasn't making any good money, but the the ads worked and people came back and they shared with other people, oh man, you need to talk to the paid assassin. Oh, you need to talk to the paid assassin. That's how you know my name kind of went around and the word spread. It really became just a referral business. And um, as I got more confident in writing for people, um, I started to charge a little more and a little more and a little more. And that's how it's progressed over the years.
0: So Kelly, um, can we talk about some of the other things that you do in addition to copywriting? So you've done some certifications in body language and first impressions, and I'm really curious what that involved and and like how that's changed your career and how you use that in your day-to-day.
2: Yeah. So when I first um, retired at the beginning, I was really kind of running away from writing because it was what I had done... My whole career—I mean, the last 20 years of my life—was all, you know, writing, writing, writing. And I was like, I need to kind of figure out what else I'm good at. What else? What else can I do? You know, with this military background. And so I went into studying um, body language and uh, and leadership on a different level. And so I started getting certification. So I got certified certified in um, EMET training, which is uh, this body language training. <laughs> And what I discovered was, you know, all of life is a pitch. Life's a pitch. So it's not just, you know, you're trying to sell a product or something like that. But even if you're trying to, you know, get people to come to your Christmas party, it's still a pitch. And if you're doing this in writing, we call that copy. But if you're doing this in person, right, it's a whole, it's a whole nother animal. And it involves more than just the words you're saying. In fact, it relies mostly on your body language to, to have people take action or you know do something with you. And so I was really um, excited that I had had started with the body language thing because it carried over. Um, now I can write about like okay, I can actually put in my writing, raise your hand if you're doing this, or you know I can actually write into the copy things that you would do with your body if you're experiencing something, and it actually makes the copy richer. And um, people feel like they're really experiencing it. So the body language piece is like, you know, how can you tell if somebody is lying? You know, they might say something and then rub their nose or maybe they'll touch their ear or something like that. So even in my copy, I'll, I'll write about those things and go, you know, how do you tell if someone's lying? And then I'll put that right into the copy. It's like, are they rubbing their nose? You know, um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how I've used uh body language in my copy
1: can you talk more about body language as far as in-person events so so, let's say i'm attending a conference um you know maybe i feel a little awkward don't really know anyone what advice would you give me so that i can show up and you know present myself present the pitch in a great way where i could maybe get some clients or at least build some really good relationships
2: so there's one thing that you can do before you even you know like enter the arena, right? (laughs) And that is like, go to the bathroom or, you know, just some quiet place kind of away from everybody. Um, Clap your hands together, rub them together really fast, like build some friction, you know, between your hands and then raise the palms of your hands up to the sky as just, I mean, just all the way up as far as you possibly can and just go, yeah. I mean, just go, yeah, or whatever sound you make that just, like gets it out of you, just gets all the nerves out. It's like, yes, or yeah, or, woohoo, or whatever that is, that instantly like releases that cortisol in your body. And it's just like the happy drug, right? It just makes you feel better and um, then walk into the space, right? Whether you're going to be on stage or you're going to be in the midst of a lot of people networking or whatever that, that space is. Um, And then once you get into that space, um, take a deep breath and then point your toes in the direction of the person who deserves your attention the most at that moment. Like literally, you'll see people kind of like leaning to one side and one toe will be pointed towards one person and one toe towards the other person like that sort of, it actually divides your attention, but if you really want to focus on the person you're, you're speaking with and have them feel like you're very interested in just them. Make sure your toes are pointed straight at that person. Um, And I don't know why, but somehow that body language works for people and they feel connected to you and you build that rapport much more quickly if you do that. It's just a couple of tips.
1: Wow. <laughs> t- I love it. It's all about the toes. Who knew? It's
2: all about the toes. Yeah. You can also tell when someone doesn't really give a dog on what you're saying if their toes are nowhere near pointed towards <laughs> you. I'm so going to wow. start paying
0: attention to that. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious. You're doing all of these cool things in your business. You know, from copywriting to you know being on stage, and you've got these skills that you've developed and. and some of them you know, are sort of not very copy focused, but obviously have a, a place in what you do every day. I'm curious what you've done, the two or three things that you've done that have helped you uplevel your business the most over the past few years.
2: Yeah. I, I would say the number one thing I've done was realize that um, I was not going to be like every other copywriter. And by that, I mean, I hear a lot of copywriters say, I can write in your own voice. That's one of you know, that's like this this trademark thing that I guess, you know, we're all supposed to do. But I struggled for so long trying to write in so many different voices. And under under extreme pressure, I would always default to my own voice. And that's actually where I felt most com- comfortable and where I did my best work. So, I just had to tell myself, you know, Kelly, stop doing that. Stop trying to write in everybody's voice. No one said you had to follow these these invisible rules. And when I stopped doing that and and just started writing in my own voice, which is funny and entertaining and um, a little crass at times, sometimes I might use a bad word or two or whatever, I just attracted people who like that kind of voice. And I felt more comfortable. They love it. And my business really grew. And another thing I did was I looked for places where, My voice that or my message basically had never been or historically was not allowed. So think about when you're when you're niching down, you know, you always hear people say, you know, the riches are in the niches. And I thought about, okay, like, where can I go where I where where my my message, my voice, my style or whatever has just never been. And I had the most fun writing for um, a politician, uh, for this guy who was running for governor in California. And, um, I essentially wrote his speeches, his, uh, uh, his, all his campaign messaging, his themes and talking points. I had the most fun. Um, I made a lot more money than I thought I would doing it. And it kind of sparked a whole nother niche for me, which was politics. It had never been, no one ever thought that humor had a place in politics, but it does. And so I really encourage people who are listening to your podcast to think about like, where can your voice really stand out? Um, And think about places where historically it's just never been like engineering or something like that, where you wouldn't think that people needed a copywriter. But like I said before, life is a pitch. Everything we do, everything is a pitch. So, um, there are plenty of opportunities for people, you know, especially new copywriters to just test the waters in places and just see what's out there and where you fit in. That's what I did. It's been working pretty well for me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I love, I love that advice because, um, I I found myself, talking to a bunch of dentists recently, which is, has not been my niche at all, but it, there's a need for the same thing, the same process, the same voice. Um, so I think it's really fun to think about, you know, what's outside of the box for all of us. Um, but so I'd like to hear more about your business and just how it's structured today. Like as far as, do you have a team? Um, what are some of your core offers? You've, you've mentioned sales pages a couple of times, what does the actual structure of your business look like today?
2: So today I do have a team. I have i have 10 people on my team. So I am the copywriter, but my team consists of, you know, I have a, a lawyer on retainer. I, I definitely recommend everybody have one of those. I have a lawyer on retainer to make sure I don't get in any hot water. Um, my CPA is on my team, um, but I also have like video and editing. Um, I have a copy coach myself. And, you know, and I really struggled with this one because um, I also have an editor on my team because I thought, well, if I'm a copywriter uh, and I'm truly being authentic, would I put another writer on my team and to help me write better? And the answer is absolutely yes, because you always need a second pair of eyeballs. And I have that in my editor. She, you know, I can just put all my ideas on paper, she comes in and she cleans them all up for me. And it's perfect and everybody's happy. So yes, I do have a team of 10 people and um, they help me get my offers out in a way that's clear and everybody can understand it when I don't get into trouble. But let's talk about those offers. So I specifically launch people. So if you are someone who's struggling with what to say, or you just you've tried it before and your launch has failed and you're like, Oh my God, what do I do? Like I offer a fix my launch program where my team goes in, we look through everything and remember kind of referring back to those, those frameworks. We find the leaks in your launch and, um, and we fix them up for you. And then I also have the masterclass. That's that one is just a training for those people who are maybe new to copywriting or, or, they want to sort of test the waters in their own voice and and kind of just write their own launch copy out for themselves um i have a course coming out for that and that's called the laid back launch uh master so yeah i've got several different ways that people can work with me on um a few different levels uh just but it's all around launching so anybody's interested in launching some new product or service i'm your girl
0: so, Kelly, you mentioned a team of 10 people, which I think a lot of us are going, wow, that's that's huge. You know, especially when some of us struggle to make it work with just a VA. What is your process for getting everybody on the same page and working together as you're working on a project?
2: So interesting. I use the exact same process process that we use in the military. The exact same thing. So in, in the Army, we have a Monday morning stand-up. Every Monday morning, you can only spend – everybody, they call a stand-up because you're standing. You're not allowed to sit down. Um, Of course, we do this virtually. But it can't last more than 20 minutes, and it is designed to um, delegate, right? So I would – I'll tell the people on the team, okay, here's what's going on. Here's what I need. Um, They have an opportunity then to report back to me – do outs or do ins, whatever you know, from the last week. Maybe they weren't able to finish something, or maybe they need more guidance on something, and then that's it. That that whole meeting is done. Um, we also follow what we call the one thirds two thirds rule, where I spend one third of my time um, preparing the orders, basically the the direction that I need to give my team. And I give them two thirds of the time to execute those orders. So, so I spend some time, you know, at the end of the day thinking about, all right, what does everybody on my team need from me right now? And let's say we have a deadline in two weeks um, or let's just make it easy. Three weeks. I can spend a week coming up with all of the, all of the minutia of the project And then I give them two weeks to execute that so that we meet the deadline in three weeks. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, totally makes sense.
2: Okay. Yeah. So this, this is how we organize it. Um, I do, uh, there's another template for it. Got it from the military, which we call the op order. Um, so that I don't forget anything that, that order has everything that I need in it. It tells me, you know, what time, what place, um, who's involved, what specifically their task would be, Uh, What to do if I'm not around? um, Who's in charge if I'm not around? So that way I'm not always the one who has to be chained to my desk. They know exactly where to go or who to talk to to get their questions answered while I'm, say, focused on writing the copy for someone. And that's how we manage it. So, Kelly, if there is
1: one thing that you've done in your business, because you've done a lot of things right that you've shared with us today, if there is one pivotal moment or just action that you took that's been the most, had the most impact in your business success and growth, what has it been? Like, what would you recommend to other copywriters?
2: I would recommend slow down and do your research. 80% of copywriting is research. And I get the impression, I don't know this for certain, but I get the impression that a lot of people are in a hurry to get the copy done. Um, They're in a hurry. You know, I I saw in the Facebook group, someone had had made a post about, can you really make $10,000 a month in copywriting? And I found that question interesting because I would have asked the same question when I first started. And really the answer is, Yeah, of course, you can absolutely make 10 grand a month copywriting because we're in the best industry out there. You can literally take a pen to paper and cash it in for money. But you can only do that at a a 10K a month level if you're willing to slow down long enough to research your audience. So it's just it's kind of back to that one-thirds, two-thirds rule. One-third of your time should be spent, or maybe even more than that, really getting clear on who you're writing to and what they want. And um, there's no shortcut around it. And I'm telling you, that will change everything about your business if you slow down to do that.
1: All right. We So we've kind of talked around this and it's clear that you think and you approach your business in a different way, especially with your military background. And I think that's been so helpful to hear how you approach everything. And you've done a great job of really standing out in the marketplace and then standing out when you go to events and you're talking about how you're the assassin. Like, So you do that well. Uh, What advice did you give to copywriters who feel like they currently blend in? you know, it's competitive space and they feel like they've struggled to stand out, maybe doesn't come as naturally to them. What would you have them do to stand
2: out? I would say take whatever it is that, that does feel natural to you and magnify it by ten. So what feels natural to me is being stupid. (laughs) 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 Like I, I, you know, I had a had a professor like I actually was supposed to be a pharmacist. Y'all didn't know this, but, um, I, I was in pharmacy school and I had a professor tell me organic Kim professor who said, you know what, um, Ms. Chevalier, uh, you think you're the smartest girl in the room, but you're barely average. What? And yeah, oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Oh man. Like stab me in the heart, but it changed everything for me. And I was like, wow, well. You know, if I'm just barely average, how do I magnify that by ten? <laughs> and it was like, I'm gonna do average like to the tenth level. I'm gonna do like the average person. And I took this photo in this uh, in this porta potty in New York, right? I'm just like, what what does the average person do? The average person has to pee, and they're gonna use this porta potty. <laughs> and I magnify that by ten. I put a microscope on it, and then I just. I show it like there I am. I'm all dressed up and I'm also coming out of the porta potty. Well, if you're a boring person, let's just say you're someone who's like, I do nothing fun. I do. I have the most boring life. We'll magnify that by 10. Like make it funny. Make that boring. Like you could say, I'm so boring (laughs) that. Right. And then finish that sentence and that will set you up. You're now the most boring person, which sets you apart. And that's that's all you do. You just take whoever you are and magnify that by 10. Don't try to change yourself. That's the number one. Do not try to be someone you're not. Just be more of who you are.
1: Where are those porta potty shots? Yeah, exactly. By the way, I know I saw I saw you post that in the Facebook group and that's when I think I first met you and heard about you and I was like, "Oh my gosh, we have got to hang out with <laughs> with Kelly." Uh
2: yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of like waiting for the right moment to reveal them all. Oh, any time is the right moment (laughs) for that. um, They they are on my Instagram page. So at Kelly writes, copy K E L I at Kelly writes, copy um, on Instagram. So you can see a few of them there.
0: (laughs) So Kelly, as the copy assassin, uh, you know, when you you called yourself that, when you started out, I think there might be some references like that on your website still, but you assassinate bad copy. And I'm curious, what do you do to get rid of all of that bad copy? Because I've got so much that I need to get rid of. (laughs)
2: No, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) um, So (laughs) I make it funny. I make it entertaining and I make it interesting. So like I said, I go back to the research and look for like what's going on in the news that, you know, it's unbelievable but true um, and mix it in with the copy. So That's all I do. I just, if it's, I just vowed I would never sit through another boring presentation. I'd never read another boring ad. Um, My vow to the world is to make it interesting, you know, the best way I can, like one piece of copy at a time. That's all I do. Wow. I think you need like a boring audit. Just, we can just run our,
1: like, I can just send you my copy to make sure it's not boring and just, yeah. (laughs) pay for it. Um, okay. So we talked earlier about uh, working under extreme pressure and I was just wondering, how did you take care of your mental health during that time? Because, you know, even if you figure out how to work through it, sounds like your colleagues learned how to work through it. I mean, that it takes a toll. So what did you do then that maybe you do now as well to take care of your mental health? I shop. I do a lot
2: of, <laughs> I a lot of shopping. <laughs> Perfect. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, so I'm actually working on a book, and uh, we were outlining the chapters in the book, and I was like, you know, this book is really like, it's interesting, it's funny, and everything, but. It needs some mental breaks, and so we literally put in shopping breaks in the book. So, like you, you read a few chapters, and then it'll say, "Okay, your next mission is to go find this thing, go buy yourself this, go do whatever." And um, yeah, there's I actually wrote little shopping breaks in the book so you wouldn't get overwhelmed. <laughs> All right, so
1: I will shop more. That's yeah. Yeah, I mean,
2: hey, that, I didn't say that that was the best way. That's just <laughs> I will.
0: Rob and I will go shopping together. I am together. so not a shopper. I, I don't even like going to the grocery store. To buy.
1: I can't even imagine. I'm not. I can't even picture you shopping, I'll Rob. I'll tell you
0: right now, I, you do not want to go shopping with me because I get really grumpy. <laughs> I, yeah. You and Kelly should probably do this without me, and I'll just stay home and watch a football <laughs> game or something. Well, a lot of
2: times, you know what I do, Rob? Like I will go shopping. I'll put stuff in the cart. And then right when I get to the checkout, I abandon everything in the car. <laughs> but I still have, still have the high.
1: Oh my god, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, Kelly, we need to do this together. Um, I wanna find out what's what's coming up for you. You mentioned the course. I'm just curious to hear what you're building, like what the vision is in 2019 and beyond.
2: I tell you what, um, I just watched a recording of Paris Limpropolis talking about you know, how to be in the top 10% of copywriters. And uh that that's my night that's my 2019 goal. Like I will be in the top 10% of copywriters next year. That that's what I'm working on. And how will I do that? I um I'm going to write a lot, <laughs> so and, and for a lot of people, and do something out of my comfort zone. I never never tried before, which was which is to um, write for really well known companies or uh, personalities for free, and you know just just do that and send it to them and say, "Here's my idea," and get that out there, and and not be afraid of the rejection that might come afterwards that that's what I'm doing. And, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm opening up this course to anyone else who wants to maybe one day do the same thing and and be the top 10% in whatever their industry is. So, um, yeah, I really believe that what I have out there works and it'll help people.
1: I, I'd love to hear like how, so it's easy to listen to you and say, Oh, like Kelly can do this. Cause she's confident. Uh, but I can't do that. Like I can't just reach out to a company and say, Hey, I should work for you or here's some copy. So can you just share if, if you deal with the imposter complex too, or like, are you just naturally, do you feel confident and like put yourself out there or do you struggle with imposter itis as well?
2: Yeah. Imposter syndrome, you know, I even made a post about this recently on, um, on my Instagram about, uh, and it, it said something like, uh, I what does it say? I am not an imposter. Like I think that was the I was like I am not, I am the real thing. And the whole the whole idea of it was that yes, we all struggle with imposter syndrome. I had someone put on Facebook like I looked for you and I couldn't. I looked for you on the internet and couldn't find anything about you anywhere. Who gives you the right? Like this is literally what the lady wrote. To like, you? Who gives? She wrote it to right? you. She put it in a Facebook group that has like 10,000 or more people in the group. And (laughs) like, who gives you the right to say that you're a copywriter and that this works? And I, I couldn't find anything about you out there. And I started to respond, right? I started to respond in a way that someone who had imposter syndrome would respond. So I started writing this long, big, long resume. I started saying, well, You don't know me. You didn't look here and here and here and all these things I've done and I've been published and I've done this. I started to do that. And I actually wrote it all out and then I deleted it all. And I said, wait a minute. If what she's saying is not true, then I don't need to defend myself. Honestly, I don't have to defend myself because if she really, you know, if I'm really, if I really believe that what I'm doing is good and I do, I really do then it will speak for itself and i think that imposter syndrome you know we all have it and it's not going to go away but you have to keep moving forward in spite of it it's the same thing as any fear you know you're going to have it it we're naturally going to have fear but courage is doing things in spite of that fear and And so I just said, you know what, it doesn't matter. I will turn this into a really cool meme one day and I will keep doing what I do because I know that I, I, I am proud of what I do. And that's it. If you just do everything every day, the best that you can, you'll be fine.
0: That feels like the kind of advice that we should end on, Kelly. (laughs) <laughs> so tell us where we can connect with you, find out more about you and figure out what's going on uh, as, you know in the new year with your business.
2: Yeah. OK, well, the best way, the best way to do that and to also be um, one of the first to find out when this uh, course is released is to just text me. So you're going to whip out your smartphone and you're going to text launch me L-A-U-N-C-H-M-E launch me. To 39492. So that's launch me at 39492. And that's the best way to stay connected. Um, I'm going to just be right up front with you. Eventually, I will try to sell you something. <laughs> so, so be prepared. Be prepared for that. Um, but you can also uh, find me at Kelly Wright's Copy everywhere. I'm kellywright'scopy.com, Kelly Wright's Copy on Instagram, Facebook. YouTube, everywhere. And that's K-E-L-I, right? That's right. Yep. K-E-L-I. All right. And
1: we can all hang out with Kelly in Brooklyn in March at our event. So buy your ticket to our event uh, as well so you can meet Kelly and hang with her. Uh, So thank you so much, Kelly. It's just been really fun to get to know you better. And this makes me even more excited about your presentation, um, in March and just excited to spend more time with you. So thank you so much.
0: You've been listening to the copywriter club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from gravity by Whitest boy alive available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode.